we are told that we are no longer slaves, but heirs according to the promise. From Galatians, the third chapter. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Jesus Christ. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring heirs according to the promise. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God set forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. One of the most important things that ever happened to me happened on the 4th of September 1936 when my mom and dad brought me to a Lutheran church in Bay Ridge in Brooklyn in New York brought me for baptism. My mom and dad were not people who participated in the church. My mom and dad were Norwegian immigrants. My dad came to this country when he was about 20, 20, 25, somewhere in there. My mom came when she was five. And they were Norwegians, and amongst the Norwegians, a lot of them didn't participate in church things, but doing church things was very important to them. And so mom and dad were married in the church. And when their firstborn was born, they took me to be baptized in the church. I was born in April. I was baptized on September 4th, 1936. And on that day, I became a born-again child of God. One of the most important things that ever happened to me. Now, let's be clear. Baptism is not magic. If baptism were magic... We'd get a fire truck and a fire hose and we'd go to a Walmart parking lot or a Best Buy parking lot and baptize everybody and you wouldn't need a church, right? It's not magic. Because when you're baptized, sooner or later you have to affirm, you have to own the faith into which you were baptized. September the 4th, 1936. I was born on the 2nd of April, 1936. 
I was born for the second time on September the 4th. The first time I was born a child of Albert and a child of Adam on September the 4th. I was born a child of God. Now, I don't remember being... Anybody remember being born? See, I don't remember being born, but you don't have to remember being born to be born, do you? Birth and memory don't go together. I don't remember being born the second time. But I was. From time to time, I'm asked, are you a born-again Christian? Anybody ever asked you that? Are you a born-again Christian? I have, I have an answer. Yes, I am. They say, uh, well, do you remember the day? What day were you born again? Well, I was born again on the 4th of September, 1936. And they look at me. I said, well, you were a child. Yes, I was a child. I don't remember my first birth, and I don't remember my second birth. But they both happened. One way to understand baptism is to understand that you've been born again. And if you are baptized, and I imagine most of you are, you can claim to be born-again Christians. Now, another way to understand baptism, and it was in the liturgy that we've read this morning, is adoption. To be baptized is to be adopted into God's family. Listen to this. When the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive that we might receive adoption as children. Now adoption means that something happened. There's some kind of a ceremony. And that ceremony was baptism. Our two grandchildren are adopted. Steve and Erica got Callie, her name is Calissa, got Callie when she was one day old. And they brought Callie home from the hospital to their home. And Callie became their daughter. And she's our granddaughter, and they, they loved her and they cared for her. They had a child. She was their daughter, but no, she wasn't. Because the papers hadn't been signed yet. She loved, they loved her as if she was their daughter, but she wasn't their daughter. And then one day, one day the papers were signed. Now you have to ask, did the papers make any difference? Well, from one point of view, the papers didn't make any difference at all. They didn't love her anymore. She wasn't anymore their daughter. But the, the papers changed everything because she was their daughter. She had been adopted into their family by something that happened. And the Galatians became God's adopted children through baptism. One summer, I, I taught about baptism at a, at a church camp. Uh, and uh, I was talking about baptism as, as adoption. And a young lady raised her hand and she said, I'm adopted. Oh? She said, yes, I'm adopted. And I'm glad I'm adopted. 
Well, why is that? Well, with my mom and dad, I wasn't an uh-oh. They wanted me. I wasn't an uh-oh, a surprise. They wanted me. And I'm glad that somebody wanted me. And in baptism, God wants his children. Jesus said, let the children, let the children come to me. And so we're adopted children of God. In fact, we're adopted, we're God's children twice. I love this story. A boy built a boat. And he took the boat down to the river and sailed the boat in the river. And the boat got away from him. It was a lovely boat, and he really felt bad about it until one day he saw the boat in the window of a pawn shop. So he went into the pawn shop and he said, that's my boat. Please give me my boat. And the man said, well, it might have been your boat, but it's not your boat anymore. It's my boat, and if you want that boat, you have to go and buy it. So the boy got a job. He earned money and bought back his boat. And now the boat was his twice. It was his once because he made it. And once because he bought it. And you and I who are baptized are God's children twice. Like everybody else in the world, we are God's children once because he made us. We share a common humanity with everybody. But we're also God's children the second time. Because he bought us. With the holy and precious blood of Jesus Christ and his innocent suffering and death. Baptism is adoption. Another way to understand uh, baptism is, is in today's reading. He says, as many of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. To be baptized is to put on Christ. To put on Christ the way I have put on this robe. Now the Galatians who heard this, they knew, they, they were instructed in baptism. They understood that it was to be born again. They understood that it was to be adopted. And they were told, when you become a Christian, when you're baptized, you put on Christ. You put on Christ. Anybody here ever work at McDonald's? A fast food place? Well, I haven't either, and I don't think I've missed much. One of the things that happens when you work at McDonald's is the first thing they do is they give you a uniform. Why do they do that? Because you put on McDonald's. You put on Wendy's. In Walmart, they put on Walmart so that you identify with McDonald's, with Wendy's, with Walmart. And in the same way, when we're baptized, we put on Christ. There was a family in the church I served in Arkansas who had a, a, a baptismal gown, a little white gown. And for three or four generations, every child in that family who was baptized was baptized wearing that same gown. 
what a wonderful tradition that all the people in that family who had put on Christ through baptism wore that same gown. Now, when, when the baptism was over, of course, they took it and they folded it up and they put it away. But when we put on Christ, we leave the gown on. So Tatiana will bear this out, I know. But as, as we look over here, Tatiana, well, all I see is I see all these people in white robes. Can you see it? See, that's all I see out here. Folks wearing their white robes of baptism, and when you leave here, you don't take it off. You take it out there. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we all put on white robes here and, le- and left here and wore them for the week? And you're walking to work, you're walking to your friends. What are you doing with that white robe? Well, I put on Christ. Oh. What kind of an impact do you think that would make on people? What kind of an impact do you think it would make on you? If you wore the white robe of righteousness, the white robe of Christ. I see all these people. A host arrayed in white, Tatiana. Behold, a host arrayed in white. And I see something else here this morning. And you can see it too, I know that. I see, I see a golden string coming from everybody here going through the ceiling and up into the hand of God. Now this is not an illustration from the Bible, but I think it's valid and I love it. And this is a teaching that I have, that when you're baptized, God takes a golden string. Don't be ashamed, don't be embarrassed now, because they all got them. He takes a golden string and he attaches it to you. That's what happens in baptism. And then that string just goes up and up and up into the hand of God. And I can see, we can see all these golden strings. And so God has your string in his hand. It's a sign of God's love. It's a sign of the promise that I will not leave you nor forsake you. Because we got this string. Now, if you decide... If you decide to act like the prodigal son or the prodigal daughter, let's be equal opportunities employers here. (laughs) If you decide to run away and live with the pigs, to engage in a life that is non-Christian, that is not pleasing to God, God doesn't let go of your string. God doesn't give up on you. He doesn't abandon you. He doesn't get disgusted with you. He just lets you run. But when you stop, he starts to pull you back. How many people fish here? Any fishermen here? We got a couple. Well, you know what the drag is on the fishing reel, right? The drag is, well, the, the fish can pull the line out, but the drag makes the fish work for it. And you can set a light drag where it goes pretty easy. Or you can set a, a really tight drag where you really got to fight to get away. Well, see, that's how our Heavenly Father works with this baptismal string. You start to run away and he lo- loosens the drag. And when you stop, he to build you back in. And you run away and let you go. But you always, you always feel, you always feel the tug. And that string was attached 
at baptism. And so, Donna, as we look out here, what do we see? Well, we see all these folks in, in white robes. And we see all these, all these golden strings shimmering in the morning sun. And that's who we are. I want to get back at the end of this to the idea of adoption. Because adoption gives identity. Our grandchildren, Callie and Andrew, when they were adopted into the Solberg family, they got a new identity. They're Solbergs. And being a Solberg, you stand for something. Our family stands for something. Our family has a heritage. Now their heritage goes back to Norway on my side and Germany and Austria on Val's side. They've got this heritage. And they know that their family stands for something. They've got an identity. They know where they came from. In fact, Callie was, was the flower girl at her mother's wedding. And her mother didn't marry her father. Kelly knows where she comes from. And she loves her mother. But she's a Solberg. And she got a new identity when she was baptized. Your fundamental identity is so important. And people have all kinds of identities. I know folks whose whole identity comes out of sports. A Razorback fan, for example. Some folks, Razorbackness is everything. There's nothing wrong with being a Razorback fan, my friends, but if that's all you are, if that's what you are, that's your identity. Wow. Or your political party. I'm a Democrat. I'm a Republican. That's what I am. I'm a Norwegian. I am a Norwegian, 100%. I can claim that as my fundamental identity. And a lot of people claim identity by the color of their skin. Is claiming a fundamental identity by your sexual orientation. That's claiming an identity. When people, as they say, come out, it's gay. They're, they're claiming an identity. What I don't understand is, what I don't understand is, why don't more Christians come out of the closet and claim their identity as children of God? Our identity as born-again children of God. Our identity as people baptized into the family of God. Our identity of, as having been clothed with Christ. Our identity as the golden string. That is our fundamental identity. If people ask you for your identity, you can simply say this. I, I am a Christian. Amen.